For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to Eagles Unfiltered. D-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! This podcast is powered by Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated. Third down and one. Hurts, Ethan, first down and a touchdown. Here are your hosts, Ed Kraz and Connor Miles. Thank you once again for tuning in to another episode of Eagles Unfiltered, powered by Believe Podcast Network and sponsored by BetOnline.ag, the best sports betting website around. I know your wallets and your purses are hurting after this Christmas season with all the holiday shopping. Remember, if you go to BetOnline.ag and use promo code Believe, B-L-E-A-V, it will match your initial deposit up to 50%. Make some of that money back. I know our pockets are hurting, especially in this economy. Go ahead and win some money with us on BetOnline.ag. And also, I know the holiday season is very tough for some people, especially with loss and everything of the sort with family and everything. Remember, we also have a promo link, betterhelp.com slash Eagles, E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. 10% off your first month of online therapy. You get to choose your own therapist. If you don't like that one, they let you switch for free. Go ahead and take advantage of that now. 10% off your first month of online therapy, E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles on betterhelp.com. Co-host Connor Miles and my co-host Ed Crass as always. Ed, I think the you know the main thing of this episode we're going to talk about is Darius Slay's injury and then the reception of Darius Slay this week because it's not looking good for him right now with how the fan base is feel majority of the fan base I should say not everybody but majority of the fan base is feeling towards him after he pounded his chest for his individual performance of doing extremely well against Dallas. Uh, but I think it rubbed a lot of Philadelphia, you know, the blue collar town, the blue collar fan base. Uh, it rubbed them the wrong way because this is a team sport. Your team captain kind of threw the team under the bus during his podcast episode. We'll get into that in a little bit, but he's also going to be out this week against Seattle with that arthroscopic knee surgery. Uh, no timetable on his return. It's a major, probably the biggest loss on this defense, if you ask me, in my opinion. I know the pass, uh, the passing secondary has been horrible this year, but Darius Slay is the glue to at least make things better uh, without him, I don't see the Eagles even improving the poor bass defense that they've shown us so far. Because from an individual standpoint, Darius Slay is playing good football. Uh, not good enough to carry the whole entire secondary, but good football for his standards and uh, what he's doing on his side of the field. So that loss is going to be damning, especially against DK Metcalf. Um, and then we also got some things to talk about with Kevin Bayard making an interesting, you know, point of view. This or I don't, I don't even know how to say this, but. An interesting insertion this week on the defensive meetings that I'm not accustomed to. And I wonder if you ever heard of this happen before, because I think this is pretty big. And to me, this might signal the fact that Sean Desai's seat might not be cold right now. It might be a little warm. The fact that I have a player that a recent player that they just traded for come in and 
make this type of demand and they go with it. I thought it was just interesting. So I want to get your thoughts on that. And then we'll discuss a little bit about the Seattle Philly upcoming game on Monday and we'll go from there. So Ed, first to start off with, Darius Slay is out this week. What are your take? What's your take on it? Yeah, you know, he's battled this knee injury, you know, for the last couple of weeks. He hasn't practiced. He's always listed on the injury report, not practicing with a knee. And, you know, I saw him before the Dallas game and I asked him, are you playing? And he said, we'll see, you know, still some things to work out. So I think he took about took this about as far as he could without having it cleaned up. Uh, probably something arthroscopic. Um really not 100% sure because it happened you know during Saturday's practice we have no availability after practice we do in the locker room but nobody was saying anything about the knee but listen the knee is what it is and he's out for at least Monday night they have a week uh, between games it's not a short week because they don't come back the following Sunday they actually play on Christmas Day against the New York Giants so he does have that extra day to kind of get back out there so you know, we'll see. They're not putting him on injured reserve. They're not shutting him down for the season. So they're expecting him to return uh, at some point. Now, you know, some point involves these final four games. He's out one. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back and plays the final three games, two against the Giants, one against the Cardinals. But, you know, in the short term is who takes his place on the outside. You mentioned DK Metcalf, obviously a very tough cover. Uh, Tyler Lockett's no picnic either. And then you have the rookie Jackson Smith and the Jigba who, uh, you know, he's been a very good third receiver over 49, or I think he's got over 40 receptions, a couple touchdowns. Um, so that's a very, very good trio that you're going to have to deal with without your veteran corner. So who steps in Josh Joe, Keely Ringo, Eli Ricks. Those are your candidates. Those three guys, uh, we saw, Keely Ringo have a pretty big role last week against Dallas, bigger than he's used to, 22 snaps. Uh, something tells me it, it could be him, but, you know, I wouldn't rule out Eli Ricks either. Um, Ricks has been cross-trained a little bit more in the slot, uh, so he could be kind of used as a backup slot, and you just throw Ringo out there and let him uh, get a full run at corner. For some reason, Josh Job, after filling in for a few games uh, earlier in the year when Josh or James Bradbury was out with a, with a concussion, um, the Eagles have cooled on him a little bit. Great special teams player, but, you know, he he's not getting that same run on defense. So I think it could be Ringo. I think we could see the rookie out there, Keely Ringo, uh, getting his first start um, in a very, very tough place to play. Obviously, Seattle at that 12th man It's going to be very loud. It's going to be very hostile. Um, but, you know, he's bred in the SEC, so he's played in some big venues and some big games. And this is, a, Jason Kelsey said earlier in the week, this is a playoff game. For all intents and purposes, this is a playoff game. Doesn't have the one-and-done feel to it, but huge circumstance, uh, you know, huge factor in the playoff race, whatever that looks like coming out of the weekend. Eagles can't afford to lose. They can't afford to drop three in a row at this point in the season. They haven't won in December yet, which is when you want to be playing your best football. So having not having Slay is is going to be something that they're going to have to overcome. And we'll see if they have Josh Sweat, who uh, was did not practice on Saturday due to a personal reason. Um, I was told that they expect him to play. Same with Jalen Hurts, who didn't practice on Saturday. He was out with an illness, but... Uh, I was told that he he's expected to play also on Monday night. And I think Sweat will as well. But we saw Boston Scott had a personal problem uh, or personal issue a couple weeks ago, and he missed the game. 
Um, so we'll see where Sweat is at this point. But I, I was told that, you know, he is expected to play. Zach Cunningham's out as well. I mean, yeah. the defense is reeling, that's for sure. And I, I wonder, I know Sean Desai uh, said earlier in the week during his press conference that Keely Ringo has deserved those extra, that more playing time when you guys asked uh, why his snaps increased. And I know A.J. Brown himself actually pointed out that Keely Ringo is a player that's impressing him on scout team recently. So you could have said that this is potentially coming no matter what. But at the same time, I wonder if they actually did it because they knew Slay's probably going to be getting this surgery soon. Let's go throw him out there versus Dallas on a rotational basis and see what he can do because we're going to call on him soon. That could have been also in the cards as well. And I wouldn't be surprised, I'm going to be honest with you, Ed, if we look at this as, as a rotational basis, just like we did with Joshua Job when he was on the outside, because he wasn't just replacing that during Bradbury's concussion. He was replacing that when they wanted to put Bradbury in the nickel himself. Right. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they attacked this from a rotational standpoint, because I know when they brought Bradley Roby in, everybody thought, you know, this is a great nickel corner. This is a great nickel corner. This is going to be a great acquisition. But Bradley Lopey has played predominantly on the outside throughout his NFL career. He has played the nickel, yes, but he's been a predominant outside corner in Denver and other places in Houston as well. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they decided let's put the veteran on the outside since this is a playoff game atmosphere and let's put Eli Ricks in the nickel who has the in-game experience. I think it's going to be a rotational basis though. I think you're going to see Ringo on the field just as much as you did last week, maybe a little bit more of an increase, maybe get the official start per se, but I still see them rotating around. But I was going to ask you if you thought Joe, Joe touches the field and it's interesting you went with that point of view, they cooled on him because I agree with you. They definitely have. You have not seen him at all anymore other than special teams. Yeah, I know. Um, and, you know, I didn't think he played all that badly when he was in there, but, yeah, we could see rotation. Or if they start Ringo and the guy is doing the job, then you probably keep what you know, keep playing him. Um, I think it becomes a rotational situation if whoever they use to start the game doesn't hold up as well as they hope. Uh, and, and we'll see. But that's not a bad plan is putting Ricks in the slot or Sidney Brown, but they're so short at safety. Now it's good that Reed Blankenship uh is gonna play. You know, I, I thought, you know, coming out of the concussion, getting through the protocol. Uh, in a few days would probably lead him to not playing, but he is going to play. And and that's big, you know, him and uh, Kevin Bayard are back out there now as your starting safeties. And that gives you Sidney Brown as kind of that extra piece now uh, where you can rotate him in at safety. Or like you said, if they put uh, Roby on the outside as a situational guy, then they put Sidney Brown maybe in the slot. So there is flexibility on this defense to cover, uh, you know, the absence of Slay. Maybe not the production, but the absence for sure. Now, let's move on to a little bit about the heat that Darius Slay has been taking this week. I know from an individual standpoint, he played well versus Dallas. I'm going to tell you right now, the Eagles will be lost without Darius Slay, regardless of what the fans think. It's just the truth. I mean, they have not been able. This team is cursed at corner. They cannot develop corners. They have been very poor at the position this whole entire decade, if you ask me really, to be honest with you. Uh, but Darius Slay came into this team this really was the best corner you had production-wise since Asante Samuel. And it was a very, very long time coming yeah. and waiting for it. So what we're learning this season when it comes to coaching, that the grass isn't always greener on the other side, you're going to get a harsh lesson on that this offseason when it comes to replacing longtime veteran players for this team. Because I think this is potentially it for Darius Slay in Philadelphia. It, potentially. So with that being said, Again, I also agree with people saying, why would you pound your chest for an individual performance and then throw your team under the bus on the podcast when the team gets blown up against Dallas and is coming off that awful San Francisco game as well? 
And my answer is, it's not a good answer. I think I think it's an answer to take into account for, but still feel the way that you feel because you're going to feel the way that you feel regardless. This podcast is not going to change your mind. But I also think that this context is being sorely missed. With When it comes to the NFL and it comes to free agency and it comes to bringing in a veteran, you're not always getting a veteran from a winning organization or a winning culture who's or who's accustomed to a winning culture, let's say. And Darius Slay is a really great example of that. Darius Slay in Detroit went to the playoffs once. They was a quick out. He never really experienced success until he got to Philadelphia, and now he's been to the playoffs. If they go to this year, he's been to the playoffs three out of the four seasons he's been with the Eagles and the Super Bowl. So why is he acting this way, or why does he focus on his individual performance? I think he's just a grizzly veteran that's accustomed to that because of what he's faced in Detroit. He was always a pro bowler in Detroit. He was always a great corner in Detroit. His play was always top par. Everybody everybody recognized him as a top 10 corner. He was used to always admiring his individual performances while being accustomed to the losing at the same time. And again, this is not a valid excuse because Philadelphia's a blue-collar town. This is not how... I don't care if you're Jalen Hurts out there. If you're Jalen Hurts out there looking at your individual performance... Instead of the whole entire picture of the team losing and the offense being bad as it was, they're going to kill you. It doesn't matter who you are. Unfortunately, in this part, it's Darius Slay who's doing it. And as a team captain, this is just not acceptable. It's really not. You, you can't just not talk like this, especially on a podcast where everybody can hear you and it's clipped and recorded. Now, again, I really wish people would listen to the whole episode, though. The whole episode doesn't explain what that little clip was. But that's social media nowadays. We're going to run with the clip. Yeah, but that, that, means- that, that clip did say, you know, he did say like, hey, I played great. The, the team didn't play well or they they sucked, but I played great. Now, they can't. You can't do that as a team captain. Can't, can't. can't do that. Can't do it. I just don't think it's a coincidence that you hear guys like Jason Kelsey, Fletcher Cox and Lane Johnson attack these, you know, press conferences with you guys or like this little. I don't know what you want to call them, not press conferences, but these little interviews with you guys around the corner after after these losses. I don't think it's how they pale in comparison. It's a coincidence when you consider where these guys are coming from and then where these guys are coming from. Because even Josh Sweat, who's been with this team, he's a flyer on the, I mean, they took a flyer on him to replace Finney Curry, basically, after a Super Bowl season. He's been with this team and grown with this team through the bad and the good and the ugly, but also to be the successful person that he is now. He says we're not getting home enough. And he he truthfully, he's having a career year, but he's right for the snaps that he's playing, because he's hit playing a career high in snaps, like you said last episode. Yeah. He's not getting lot. home enough. He's not getting home enough for that amount that he's playing for. Yeah. Still great production, still great player. But he's not getting home enough for the amount of time he's on the field. And he's the first to tell you that. Whereas, and I do not take this personally, and he it is not comparable whatsoever. I'm just trying to at least add some context to the situation so maybe I could open some minds up a little bit more. Hassan Reddick, who was with Arizona through the bad, Carolina through the losing, only one year, but it was lose, it was a losing year, and then goes to, to Philadelphia and draws ex- success right off the bat. Celebrates the fact that he has fourth consecutive year with 11 sacks, even though this team's going through the same thing. The, when I say celebrate, he posted a tweet. So... 
call it what you will. It wasn't that big of a deal. And that's why I'm saying these aren't comparable situations, but at least open your mind up a little bit more to see Josh Sweat's answer is a little bit different right now, even though he's having a very good year for his above his standards. And Reddick's having four consecutive years of 10 plus sacks. And their answer is a little bit different. Or they're focusing a little bit differently right now. It it shows you. I'm telling you. Malcolm Jenkins was an outliner, Ed. Because Malcolm Jenkins came from a Super Bowl winning team and wanted to bring that to Philadelphia. Bring that culture to Philadelphia. So he he's an outliner to me. But when you bring in guys that are with organizations that are just accustomed to losing, they're learning the winning culture. They're still getting used to the winning culture. It doesn't matter how old they are. It doesn't matter where they're... What, part of a career they're in they're still trying to learn that it's a whole different ball game it's a whole different atmosphere and but this is not an excuse for Darius Slade because again at the end of the day he's a team captain so that was just my thoughts on it Ed what are yours yeah I mean I think some of it too and in, in Reddick's case maybe has to do with the fact that you know listen it's no secret he wants more money um you know to his credit he's playing through a contract that he could have held out for more money um, so, you know, I think he just wants people to remember that, Hey, you know, even though we're losing, I'm still getting my sacks and, you know, when I get paid or if I choose to hold out next year, you know, why is because I'm producing and I want more money. So I think maybe some of that tweet was kind of a business decision from Reddick's standpoint. Um, could say the know. same for Slay. Cause I think, I mean, again, he's on it. He's on a prove it deal pretty much right now. Yeah. Slay, you can say the same thing, but Slay again, Maybe a little reaction to, you know, what took place earlier in the week when a fan showed up dressed in full Philadelphia Eagles gear, head to toe, helmet on and every everything, with two trash cans. One said, you know, big play slay. There was tape to the trash can or no big play slay. And the other one just said Bradbury. So, you know, maybe he's taking that, you know, a little bit personally, you know, seeing how fans are, you know, kind of riding him pretty hard. And he just wanted to point out, hey, I had a great game. You know, and my teammates didn't. But, you know, that's kind of the wrong way to go about it. You know, um, it should be a we situation uh, with with Slay and say, you know, we didn't play great. You know, I even didn't play great, even though I may have made some plays. I didn't have a great game, you know, uh, but it was the wrong approach. And that could have something to do with it was that whole trash can episode with the sign fired the sigh. You know, the snow, no big play slay on a trash can. I mean, that that probably gets under your skin a little bit if you're a pro athlete. And maybe he even drove past it on his way to work that day. So you don't know. You don't know what, you know, how players take that. And maybe that's how Slay took it. Not even just that. I mean, the social media, Slay's very active on social media. And there's been a lot of hate, not even just tried towards him. You've seen his wife just answer a tweet that told her to go F herself. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's... You're right. That stuff is definitely getting under his skin. There's definitely a re- it's a, re- a reactionary to the reaction. I right. I agree with you 100 on that. I just think it's you know a little interesting that again the situations aren't comparable at all. But Slay's playing for his. I don't think Slay's gonna retire to this season, and I don't he, think the Eagles are that committed to him at this point anymore. And they almost let him go to the Ravens this off season. So we'll see how it I, goes going further. I think Slay can still play. I mean, I you know he's proven that. Yeah, right. if the Eagles don't think so, let them go. Then what are you going to do? I mean, we're going to get a good look at what this defense is going to look like on the outside on Monday night without him in the lineup. And we'll we'll see how these young kids react. Now, you say, okay, we could go out and draft a corner. Uh, but a cornerback's no, tough can't. to play in the NFL. I mean, it takes some time to learn how to do it. Any so, Eagles fan that says that, Ed, is 
what, what have you been paying attention though? Because I mean, this team, I, you bring in doesn't matter what coaches you bring in, they can't develop corners. They're very bad at it. Something has to be changed there to fix that. But at this point in time, are you that confident in that with the history? I, okay, and I understand you don't say don't try again just because of what your past is looking like, but that answer is just not as simple as a, as that answer. That's a good theory. Yeah, I, I don't think the Eagles move on from Slay. I, I don't. I think he's back next year. Um, again, he's he's a, one of those guys in the locker room that's a pretty popular guy. He keeps things loose, and he can still play. So, you know, I don't think he's feeling that much pressure that, hey, I got to let everybody know how great I am because I want to be back here. I, I think he'll be back. I really do. Um, I'd like to see Bradbury play better. I think, you know, Bradbury's really kind of been – not real good. I mean, not as good as he was last year when he was second team all pro. And this year, completely different story. He's just not playing the same way. And that's been one of the reasons, in my opinion, that the Eagles are the last, one of the last ranked teams in pass defense is just the play of Bradbury. You know, the, the fact that the back end hasn't been together that long. You bring Kevin Bayard in here, you know, kind of midseason, right before the trade deadline. So, you know, uh, they're still getting used to playing with each other. But, you know, Bradbury needs to play better. Better, I think Slay has been, you know, okay. I think he's been kind of the same player he was last year when they went to the Super Bowl. So, you know, I, I just don't think he's the problem on defense. Oh, I agree with you 100% on that. It's, it's – and I'm going to be honest, Bradbury really was plan B to bring back at that point. Uh, I I do believe – I mean, it's, it's known. I don't have to believe it. It's known. The – focus was on C.J. Gardner-Johnson. It was the fact that they were way off on money than what the Eagles were offering, and then he goes in free agency and he learns the Eagles actually were offering pretty well of a deal, and then the Eagles pivoted to James Bradbury to bring him back. So it wasn't you know plan A all along, but you're right. He's been playing pretty bad football at this point. I also wonder if what the scheme has to go into it. Let's get into that a little bit now. Interesting that you know, Kevin Byard, like you just said, was a midseason acquisition, and yet he's making a really a, a this is a team captain move right here. Uh asking Sean Desai, let the DBs self-scout this week and let us decide how we attack these guys. And that's what the that's what they're going with. And I'm I'm wondering how do you, how do you take that? Well, it's a slap at the side. I mean, if you ask me, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you, you want to kind of cut your DC out of planning for the game. I mean that seat I'm, must be getting warm. I mean Oh yeah, sure. I well, I I think it's real warm. Um, and I think we talked about this last week. If the Eagles lose out, um, you know, he's gone, and he still might be gone. I mean, he, the Eagles are in the bottom five in a lot of defensive uh, departments that the NFL keeps track of. And Sirianni has said that he hates being in the bottom five of anything. And now you have a defense that's got you know five or six significant bottom five numbers. And to me, that points to the D.C. And, yeah, I think Desai uh, could be in some trouble here. I, You know, again, they won 10 games. They're not going to make a move uh, to get rid of them in season. I mean, that would be shocking. If they lose Monday night, if they give up 40 points to the Seahawks and Geno Smith, I don't know. I mean, they might do something to shake this thing up because they would then be in a very bad situation as far as even being the number two seed in the NFC. Um of course, Dallas has to play the Bills and the Dolphins, so they've got their work cut out for them. But if the Eagles, you know, completely fall apart, if DK Metcalf torches them for 190 yards and two touchdowns and they put up 42 points, I don't know. 
I, I don't know what the fallout would be from that. And, you know, you're a week away from Christmas. I mean, you know, it, it would be a really tough move if the Eagles were to move on from Desai. But it's certainly not a good thing when your your safety, your veteran safety, made the Pro Bowl a few times. Kevin Byhart, but has only been here, for, you know, since the middle of October, late October, starts making these kind of executive decisions. That's not good. That's not good for your D.C. I think uh... – what hurts a little bit more, and we brought up we brought up the loss or the tra- the choice of Desai over Denard Wilson last episode. But when you really look at what the Ravens are doing in the secondary this year, Geno Stone, who they've developed over the years, leads the AFC in safety Pro Bowl voting. He's really having a breakout year under Denard Wilson being the DB coach there. Brandon Stevens, uh, who's really been stepping up for Marlon Humphrey, being half the player he used to be. Is an undrafted free agent, I believe, and he's having a solid year stepping up. And Ronald Darby is actually not perfect for them, but he's still getting the job done. It, it's tough. That's a tough pill to swallow to see a guy that you chose over and it's not working out really well currently with him. And the other guy that got a new job is settling in pretty well at his, his new spot and performing with these players that he never he, he's just now touching. Like it's it's. It's tough. It's a tough pill to swallow there. I'm going to be honest with you, Ed. I, I agree. I mean, Denard Wilson's still a cornerback coach or DB coach in Baltimore, just like he was in Philadelphia. But when he was here, you can't overlook the job he did with James Bradbury, who played well. Darius Slay, who, who I think is playing kind of the same. But, you know, the Eagles secondary doesn't have a playmaker. Like last year, Chauncey Gardner had six picks. I mean, I don't think the Eagles as a team have six picks this year. I think they have five. Um, you know, is that the size fault? Is that DK McDonald's fault? Who's now the DB coach was an assistant DP DB coach last year under Wilson. Um, I don't know. I mean, listen, would the Wilson made a good coordinator, defensive coordinator? Maybe I, I can't say for sure. I know he had a lot of support in that locker room to be the guy, especially from slay, um, you know, guys who worked in that room with him. So yeah, maybe that was, maybe that was uh, an, an oversight on Nick's part. Instead of promoting two guys from within Brian Johnson and Denard Wilson, he he went outside with his DC and, you know, it's, it's it really is telling that Bayard doesn't trust him enough to kind of help him uh, or to have him help formulate a game plan against these Seattle cornerbacks. It is. So I receivers, but yeah, it is. It's uh, I, Right. I I have have you heard that the, for as long as you covered the Eagles have you heard a player do this? Uh yeah I, I I don't I don't think so nothing off the top of my head yeah nothing off the top of my head either I can't I, I, I just as like a fan of the team I don't even remember I mean I'm sure there's been something like that that's happened before but to make it this public this quick no yeah no. yeah it's, uh, it's concerning for sure and that. You know, maybe that speaks to some internal friction that's going on inside that locker room. We don't know. I mean, our fingers starting to be pointed. We saw Josh Sweat come out and say, you know, uh, we're just not taking care of each other, uh, you know, on the back end and with defensive line. Now, some players tried to explain that this week, saying that he's just talking about communication. But, you know, it's not good when, you know, other players are calling each other out. And and even, you know, with that report from D. Gunn, who we all speculated, told him about that with receivers and this offense not scheming guys open or running pass patterns that are too long. I mean, that to me is a little bit of finger pointing. And that's what you don't want to take place um, as you try to bring this team together to win another game. All they need is one more win to get in the playoffs. So they're not even in the playoffs officially yet. 
So they need to find a win somewhere here, and the sooner the better. Like I said earlier, Kelsey called this a playoff-type game on Monday night, so they're going to really have to come out and react well to it. I think they will. I mean, he's talking about a lot of guys being pissed off in that locker room. I think a lot of guys are embarrassed. I think the coaches are embarrassed. Nick Sirianni has had this pissed-off look all week. Um, So we'll see what they do, if they can go out and do something about that on Monday night. I hope they do. What do you think is going to be the result for this game? I think the Eagles are going to win. I really do. I know they haven't beaten the Seahawks since 08. They're 0-7 in that stretch. They've come close a few times, but Russell Wilson's not here. Um, You know, he's always been the killer for them. They can never seem to get off the field with him at quarterback. So, you know, I think Geno Smith is a little banged up. You know, he didn't play last week. I think he's expected to play Monday night. And I think the Eagles' pass rush is going to probably pick up maybe three or four sacks in this game. I think they are a little pissed off. I think they're a little embarrassed. They know what it means. This is a pretty much a veteran team uh, in a tough place to play. But I think they're going to find a way. I really do. I think they're going to win this game. Yeah, they had to beat Jason Peters. <laughs> I don't even know how much Jason well, excuse me, I don't know how much Jason Peters is even going to play. I mean, he's... Depends on those guys getting injured. This, that right tackle yeah. gets injured a lot. His snap probably. counts have been all over the place. Six last week against the Niners. He played over 50 just a couple of weeks ago in back-to-back games. So, yeah, you're right. It depends, you know, how those guys hold up. But, you know, who knows, you know, how much he's going to play. But, you know, the, Kelsey and Brandon Graham, I wrote about it. Uh, still a lot of fond memories of, of Jason Peters. Uh, obviously in that locker room, it, it, it feels like forever ago that he was here, but it was just 2020. I mean, it was just three years ago that, that he played for the Eagles and so much changes in the NFL, uh, you know, from year to year that it just feels like Peters was here like 10 years ago or five years ago, but not three years ago. So I'm not worried about Peters. If he plays, that's Eagles advantage. Uh, Yeah, you're not wrong. I think the Eagles win 23 to 20. Okay. Which is kind of. The Seahawks have an offense, even with Drew Locke, to be honest with you, because I thought he played fairly well considering the circumstances against San Francisco. Uh, coming off the bench for first time in years to play that game against that type of team, I thought he played fairly well. Um, even if he – it looks like it's going to be Geno, but I'm just saying even if Drew Locke was to go, I I think the Eagles find a way on defense, even without Slay, uh, because of this pissed-off outlook that you're alluding to, to find a way to limit – that high power offense and limit them to score only 20. Yeah, I, I I have probably the Seahawks at about 20, 21 points. I think the Eagles go up to 28 or 30. I think it's a, a little bit more of a breezy win. I don't know why. I just, I just feel like, you know, they feel like they're at rock bottom. And my only concern is like I talked about is this whole finger pointing and maybe a schism that might be taking place. But uh, you know, I, I don't loose, loose lips sink ships. I don't tell yeah. you. Now Bayard going against Desai. I mean, it's just not. Uh, it doesn't seem to me like it's all hands on deck. Uh, but it's very telling for a new player to come in and think after a couple of weeks, oh, we're not the problem. This guy is right. I know, I know. It's um, but listen, you know, he's been around the league. Uh, oh, he's a respected veteran, so I would, yeah, I would he- actually listen to him if he thinks this. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just uh, – that's my only worry is that this team is no longer pulling from the same end of the rope uh, and they could splinter. And if that happens, man, I don't I don't know what's going to happen over these final three games that looked winnable just a month ago. All of a sudden now, if they lose three in a row, don't – Coaches look, are going to be in trouble. That's uh, all I know. Uh, yeah, 
Right. I, I think so. And they're going in with, you know, Jalen Hurts, who's sick. No Slay, maybe no Sweat. I think Sweat will play. No Cam Jurgens. You're probably going to start Sua Peta at right guard. Um, Which is the, off to me. Man, you make him well, an I asked Kelsey about that, and he seemed to say that, listen, we're playing in a loud and hostile environment, and it was about the silent count. He said silent count is all about timing, and we feel comfortable with Sua Opeta operating in the silent count because he's been there. He's done that. He's played a lot of games for them. Steen hasn't. And, you know, there's something. Wow. There said, you go. That's the best uh, answer you'll hear. Yeah. That's, the, and that's yeah. really Kelsey's answer is, yeah, is that they're very confident in the way Opeta can operate in the silent count. It's all about timing. And Opeta's been there. He's been in these loud environments. Steen, you know, I know he played in the SEC and he played in loud environments, but not with Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, Landon Dickerson and company on the front line. Every offensive line is different. Right. So, you know, it's all about timing, you know, because you always see Opeta slap Kelsey's leg when everything's set. And then, boom, the snap comes. So you want to be on that that kind of, uh, you know, you want to be paying attention to that in the silent count. So that's why they like Opeta in this game. It's got to be so refreshing to interview Jason Kelsey and actually get an answer. <laughs> Kelsey's the best. He, yeah. He's so good. You could ask the stupidest question in the world, and he just doesn't give you a one-sentence answer. He'll – He'll, t- you know, he'll go on about it. He won't tell you how stupid the question was. You know, he'll he'll answer it. He'll do his best to answer it, you know. And listen, I, I think the world of Jason Kelsey and, you know, it was that's his answer. And I'm I'm down with it. Makes sense to me. That makes a lot of sense. Like, wow, that even blew my mind of how much I just got informed on that. So now I yeah. know why they're playing him. That makes a lot of sense, too. It does. All right. So that's going to do it for us, guys. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of Eagles Unfiltered. We'll be back later in this week to discuss this game. Hopefully we're in good spirits this time around. That's all I could say. All right. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.